welcome back to the fourth segment of KALA This Week. I'm your host, Bailey Winfrey. This week, we will hear three fantastic interviews from Anna, McKenna, and Abby. Sierra will have another great recipe for you all, and Ryan is back with all things SAU Sporting. Let's jump into the first interview. Hi, my name is McKenna Burden, and this is KALA This Week. During the week of September 25th through October 1st, St. Ambrose University hosts Sustainability Week. And I'm here with Professor Amy Blair of St. Ambrose to talk about it. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm Amy Blair from the Biology Department here at St. Ambrose. And I am also co-chair of the Sustainability Committee on campus, as well as the student club uh, Green Life. And I should say Dr. Teresi is the other co-chair of the Sustainability Committee and uh, the co-advisor for Green Life. And he's also in the biology department. Now, what exactly is Sustainability Week? Yeah, so um, we had this great opportunity when working with Jason Richter on the Sustainability Committee to try to think of ways to engage uh, especially incoming freshmen with values and things that we think uh, good Ambrosians should be aware of. And so we came up uh, with this idea really to incorporate sustainability as part of, uh, I guess, freshman indoctrination to St. Ambrose University. And uh, by, by showing them um, all kinds of different events on campus and engaging really the entire campus community, what we're trying to do is really shift the culture of St. Ambrose to become a more environmentally sustainable institution. Nice, nice. What events happen during the week? Okay, so there have been a variety of events on campus this week. I think there are 11 in total, which is a really great success for our first year ever trying this. Um, There have been neat things ranging from an eco-spirituality discussion with campus ministry, focusing on questions of, you know, how do we connect to the environment? What makes us sad about, you know, how humans are harming the environment from a real spiritual perspective? Uh, Just last night, so that would be Thursday night, um, we had a wonderful workshop uh, about food rescue. So thinking about things like food waste and the fact that, you know, 40% of the food in this country ends up in the landfill, which is a horrifying number. So how do we get that food out of the landfill and instead into people's bellies that are hungry? And that workshop included some really fantastic information on home composting. So taking food scraps and instead of sending them to the landfill, putting them in your backyard to turn into beautiful compost. Um, There was an environmental justice workshop earlier in the week where um, students and faculty learned about how to really engage with the community and become uh, really an activist for change. Today, yeah, so the the crowning achievement of the week, I guess the big event is Sustainability Fest, where we're going to have over 20 student organizations, community vendors, Uh, community organizations, all with tables with um, neat goods to sell or uh, information about environmental sustainability. And we're hoping to have a huge turnout. The weather is fantastic. Uh, K-A-L-A will be broadcasting music, so it should be a nice festive atmosphere. Uh, And so we're hoping for for big student uh, involvement in today's event. Nice. Now, what kind of people are going to like uh, be like 
at the Sustainability Fest, what kind of tables will, will be at the fest? Good question. So um, Green Life, for example, is going to be selling uh, native wildflowers. So people can come through and buy plants to either keep in their rooms or houses on campus or if people have yards to put them out in the yard. Uh, these are plants that are really good for pollinators. So we're helping the bees while we're also the bees. Um, we're going to have different groups. So like the History Club will be there talking about the history of sustainability. I know that the Democrat, the Democratic Club on campus will be there. I'm not sure what, what they'll be doing. We'll also have people selling t-shirts about sustainability and crafts, so things that they've made uh, locally here. Nahant Marsh, for example, will be here talking about information about the, the lovely um, marsh that they, they run just 15 minutes from campus. So we're going to have a whole smorgasbord of really interesting things going on at the fest. It sounds so much fun. Well, now what do, what do you see this in the future? Like any more activities going on for sustainability or like in the years come at all? Yeah, so I hope this sustainability fest becomes a tradition on campus. The, the, the fest will for sure, but we hope the week will stick as well. You know, every way that we can try to reach a student, whether it's through a you know, a, a moment of spirituality or through this big fest on campus is a way to get them thinking about their daily life and how can they be a little bit more environmentally aware and a little more sustainable. And so if we're going to have a cultural shift on campus, you know, we have to connect to everybody at some touch point. And so it'd be great if we can keep this up. It'd be awesome to incorporate um, more recycling information. We did have one recycling workshop earlier in the week, but if we could get everybody thinking about how to recycle correctly on campus, that would be fantastic. Uh, every spring in April, we have a huge fest also for Earth Day. So this isn't where sustainability ends by any means on campus. Um, we have ongoing events throughout the year through Green Life and our committee. Uh, and that we end with a huge celebration on Earth Day in April. That sounds very fantastic. I'm really excited for it and hope a lot of people come out for it. Anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, I just want to give a big shout out to Dennis Teresi and Jason Richter. Those two have been really instrumental in pulling all these pieces together. You know, when you go to event, an event, you don't always realize how much behind the scenes work has to go into it. And um, they've just done a tremendous job pulling together organizations on campus and from the community. And um, yeah, and they're really making change that we can see on this campus. So they're awesome. Thank you very much. This was Professor Amy Blair and this is McKenna Vern on KLA This Week. Thank you very much. Hello, KALA listeners. This is Anna Vary with KALA This Week. Today I am joined by Tammy Norcross-Reitzler, the Director of Campus Ministry for Christ the King Chapel here at St. Ambrose University. This week, students at St. Ambrose University had the opportunity to participate in the Busy Student Retreat. Tammy, hello. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> um, why don't you start by talking about what the Busy Student Retreat is and then also how it came to be a retreat here at St. Ambrose. Okay, sure. Um, the Busy Student Retreat is... Um, just like it sounds, it's actually a retreat on campus um, and it works around the students already busy schedule so they can kind of fit it in whenever that works for them. So it might be early in the morning or late at night. And so what we do is we bring on campus spiritual guides. Um, they come, a lot of them are actually this year, they're all like religious sisters or and a priest uh, and they come 
um, to spend time with our students this week. And so they schedule 30 minute appointments a day with each student that they're directing. And then um, the students um, commit to 30 minutes of daily prayer during the retreat. So they can do that anytime that fits. Um, it might be, you know, 10 minutes at lunchtime and 15 minutes before bed or, you know, whatever. And so they can um, do their prayer time whenever they want. And then, then they just come to that 30 minute meeting uh, with the spiritual director and kind of talk about um, where they see God in their lives or don't see God and, and just get a chance to, for someone to listen to them like uninterrupted for 30 minutes every day. So it's really awesome um, opportunity. Uh, so really like we're asking for an hour altogether, but it can be kind of broken up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Having the director, your spiritual guide guiding you throughout the week. And then also, you know, you taking accountability to do mm -hmm. those 30 minutes of private prayer. Like right. you said, whenever it fits best into your schedule, because, you know, being a college college student is hard. And also, like, for me, I'm a student athlete. So, you know, you have athletics and all these wild distractions in your life. And, you know, really committing that time to sit down with someone and speak through your prayer life is really, really beneficial. So you said that each student commits to 30 minutes of prayer. Um, what are some ways people can incorporate prayer into their lives, especially for those that consider their lives busy? Yeah, I think what's nice now is there's just so many like good apps that students use for their prayer life. So um, we for this retreat, I give them a, a, it's a monthly devotional book called Give Us This Day. And it has daily prayers and it. it has morning prayer and evening prayer and then the scripture readings for mass for the day. Um, and so there's also like a really good reflection every day that's written by various authors and then a saint of the day. Um, so a little write up about somebody who lived a holy life that we might glean some ideas from. So, so that's um, one thing. I have that uh, actually as an app on my phone. Um, but it's available in a booklet. So that's what I share with the students this, um, that are on the retreat. But I think um, the key is that there's so many different ways to pray. So students can just find some time to talk to God. Um, a lot of students really like journaling, I, I have found. I think a lot of students like to listen to music for their prayer. And so mm -hmm. they have some favorite um, music that they listen to. The podcasts have become a really popular way for students to spend some time in, in prayer. Um, I think a walk through the park in nature also. Uh, so there's just so many different ways to pray that um, I think even in the shower, <laughs> uh, I like to pray in the car, uh, but you know, some of the students might have some car time. Um, so that's also a good, a good way. So lot, yeah, lots of different yeah, kinds I mean, of way. I'm like you, I like the car. I know back in, I mean, now it's harder cause I don't, I walk to my classes. Yeah. I don't drive to school, but you know, back when I would drive to high school, I would turn on the worship radio station and I'd use that quiet time to help me get to I'd use that time to pray and you know mm -hmm. have that conversation with God and I I really valued those 15 minutes that I had in the car because it was free of distractions it was free of conversation it was free of my phone um and nowadays because I don't drive I use the time that I walk to classes that's kind of yes. my quiet time you know I put in my airpods I turn on my worship station like you talked about and I really just use that time to pray and reflect and I think you know, you just have to be creative. You, Like you said, you have to find those ways to fit, you know, a prayer moment into your life, even on top of your already made schedule and daily routine. You just right. got to be creative and find what works best for you. Um, moving on, how can bettering one's prayer life help them with their daily life and relationship with God? You kind of touched on that. Yeah, I think, 
you know, one of the things that I've um, been sharing with students is just that idea of, of being attentive and paying attention to um, really the movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so what that entails a lot of times is just thinking about like, what is bringing me joy today and what's not, you know, and then, and then kind of taking that to God. And I think if we don't live a life that's reflective of that we just keep doing the same old thing over and over again and and not really changing or growing but if we if we take the time to to reflect on those things like what um in spiritual direction you might say it in words like what brings me closer to god and what takes me away from god but i think sometimes that church kind of question is harder to answer so I think if we look at like what brings me joy like when do I really feel joyful or when today did did I experience joy Mm -hmm. and when today did I not feel so loved or connected or distant and Mm -hmm. then um and then kind of take that to prayer yeah definitely I saw in the back of the handout we were given um because I am participating in this mm-hmm. retreat. I guess I didn't mention that earlier, but I am participating in this retreat and I am really excited about it. Um, those reflection questions about, you know, that you can do at the end of your day, like where did you find joy? Where were you like your most sad? And then like, where did you find God within it all? And like, mm-hmm. even in the bad times, where did you see him? And, you know, I think it's really cool and it's good to reflect on that and build those good ha- healthy habits and incorporate all these habits from this week into our everyday life and routines. So are there any other retreats that students can participate in this semester? Yes, we actually already have our team working to prepare for our Antioch retreat. That retreat is off campus and it's for a whole weekend. Uh, It is October 21st and 22nd, so Friday to Sunday. Um, A great retreat. Um, Again, like I said, we go off campus. The student leaders um, prepare that retreat and share their stories of how they're struggling to grow in faith or um, what they're doing or how God has been an impact in their life. And then um, also lots of time for sharing and prayer and some recreation too and fun. Um, So it's a really good community building uh, retreat that I think a lot of students, we do it twice a year, every semester. So we do each semester Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been happening on campus for a lot of years so it has a nice strong tradition behind it. That's awesome that sounds like a great experience and definitely one that I'll be looking into. So thank you so much Tammy for sitting down and talking with me today and thank you all of the listeners for listening to KALA this week. Once again it's Anna Berry and I'm signing off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another sports segment here on KLA This Week. This is Ryan Schistel. In this week's episode, we have a whole bundle of sports to talk around that have been taking place around St. Ambrose. And to start it off, let's talk men's soccer. The men's team currently has a record of three wins, six losses, and one tie, with a conference record of two wins, three losses, and a tie. Most recently, the Bees lost at home 3-1 against Holy Cross. That game was played on October 1st, so this past Saturday, at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex. In that game, the only goal for the Bees came in the 60th minute, and it came off the foot of Joseph Gaither Jr. It was a left-footed strike from outside of the box into the net, and when you're thinking of the box, think about the goalie's area, to really, you know, move around and still be able to grab the ball with the goalie's hands. 
Like I said, that goal came in the 60th minute, and it was only one of the nine shots that the Bees took all game. The Bees only got four shots on goal, but the goalie for Holy Cross was able to save 75% of those shots. In goal for the Bees was, like normal, Zach Bauer. Bauer faced 10 shots on goal. He was able to save seven of them for a 70% save percentage, but he did give up those three goals, and that was enough for Holy Cross to get the win against the men's team. So, like I said, now that the Bees are 3-6-1 or 2-3-1 in conference, the Bees look to get the game back as now they will face St. Francis of Illinois tomorrow at 3.30, so that is October 8th, at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex just off of Central Park. It should be a great game. The Bees definitely looking to bounce back and work their way towards that 500 record that I've talked about in past episodes. After that, the Bees will take on Indiana Northwest on the road in Crown Point, and that game will be played next Tuesday, October 11th at 3.30. Then the Bees return home to play Judson the following Saturday, October 15th at 1 o'clock at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex. So the men's team definitely still looking to improve. It's a much-needed improvement that the Bees will have to make, and once the Bees can figure out how to really get things rolling, I think they could hit a nice little win streak here. Before losing to Holy Cross, they had a two-game win streak that snapped a long dry spout that ranged from August 25th all the way to September 21st. So almost a month of a either losing or tying streak. Really, in that streak, the Bees had five losses and one tie. Then they bounced back, went two, of course, lose to Holy Cross. So definitely looking to bounce back and get on a winning streak. And then for the women's team, the women's team has a record of five wins, two losses, and three ties overall, with a conference record of four wins, no losses, and two ties. Most recently, the women's team also played this past Saturday against Holy Cross, in which they won 3-2. to two. Goals for the Bees were scored by Caitlin Brunson in the 50th minute, Taylor DeSplinter in the 55th minute, and then Kendall Went in the 73rd minute. The Bees only trailed one time in the game, and it came in the second half when Nicole Cook for Holy Cross put in a goal in the 47th minute. And like I said, after Caitlin Brunson's 50-minute goal, that meant that Holy Cross only had a lead for about three minutes in the entire game. After that, the Bees jumped ahead and never looked back. The Bees took 18 shots total in the game, but only were able to put five shots on goal. And the goalie for Holy Cross had only two saves and three goals allowed in those five shots. Rachel Willett, the normal goalie for the Bees, was back in goal, and she also took five shots. She was able to save three of them and gave up two, so the two goalies just kind of flip-flopped that stat between goals allowed and goals saved. Both goalies played all 90 minutes of the game. So coming up for the Bees, women's team, like the men's team, the Bees will play tomorrow, Saturday, October 8th, at 1 o'clock, so they will be playing before the men's team at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex. And then we'll follow the men's team on the road to take on Indiana Northwest at 3.30. 
However, that game will be played on October 12th, so next Wednesday, instead of October 11th, next Tuesday, like the men's team. The Bees will then face Judson at home on October 15th at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex at 3 o'clock. And this is a women's team that has a really good streak going. The Bees women's team have not lost a game since August 28th. Since then, they have a very impressive record that consists of four wins and three ties. In women's volleyball talk, the Bees are 14-5 and overall and 6-2 and in conference, most recently coming off of a loss to St. Xavier on the road. In the first set of the match, the Bees won 25-18, and then St. Xavier bounced back in the second set 25-20. St. X then took the third and fourth sets of the match. The third set ended in a 25-18 score, and then the fourth was 26-24, so a very tightly contested fourth set. However, St. Xavier is able to pull away with the win in that one. So that snaps the Bees' three-game winning streak, and they look to bounce back, taking on Governor State next Tuesday, October 11th, at home at the Lee Loman Arena at 7 o'clock p.m. Now, for football talk, the Bees have finally won their first game, making their record 1-3 overall and 1-0 in conference. The Bees traveled to Trinity International, Last Saturday, October 1st, where they won 49-7 in Deerfield, Illinois, and here on KALA. And it was a great game overall. Tom Casey, four passing touchdowns, one to Demetrius Coleman, one to Israel Taylor, and two to Yemi Ward. And then there were a handful of rushing touchdowns from guys like Caden King, Ray Boye, and Tanalage Hall. Defense also played incredible, having two interceptions, a bunch of very tightly contested throws on the defensive back side of the ball, and a lot of quarterback pressure. And this was a team that looked like it was brand new. It was a team that looked like they could go undefeated and were be able to compete with everybody. Coming up next, the Bees play tomorrow at 1 o'clock, so that's October 8th at 1 o'clock, against Judson University, and that game will be played at home at Brady Street Stadium. I will be on the call on KALA HD2 106.1, and really, this should be a great game. The Bees all-time are 0-1 against Judson, losing last year in overtime in a game that even some of the coaching staff would tell you the Bees should not have lost. It was a very sloppy game last year, and if the Bees can really play like they did last week, this could be quite the game scoring-wise for the Bees. Both Judson and St. Ambrose come into this game with an overall record of 1-3. and three. Now, in, when it comes to tennis, it's been a pretty good season for the men's and women's team. First, for the men's, the men's team has an overall record of 5-2. and two. The men's tennis team has finished up their fall season, most recently losing to the Milwaukee School of Engineering in Milwaukee 6-3, and... You know, when you finish with the fall season record of 5-2, and two, it's a pretty nice look into what will be going on in the spring season. And the next match that the Bees will play is not until February 26th, and the Bees will take on Illinois State University in Bloomington, Illinois. So a great chance for the Bees to possibly go in and beat a Division I school. 
Finally, women's tennis has not finished up their fall season yet, and they come in with a record of 4-5 and five overall. Most recently, the women's team in tennis won 5-2 this past Tuesday, October 4th, at Davenport West High School, where the Bees defeated Monmouth. Up next, the Bees will face Simpson tomorrow at 1 o'clock p.m. at Decorah, Iowa. That's all the time I have for this sports segment of KALA this week. The Bees look to improve in all sports coming up. And don't forget to listen to the football game on 8KALA HD2 106.1 this Saturday where I will be at Brady Street Stadium. It's been a great week. I will talk to you all next week. Go Bees! Because we're in the middle of the football season here on KALA, this week's CC Stress-Free Recipe is an easy and delicious homemade taco dip. This easy taco dip is a super simple dip that's loaded with flavor and is guaranteed hit at any sporting event. In general, it is made with a cream cheese and sour cream vase and then topped off with classic taco toppings. I always credit the inspiration for my recipes and this week's recipe is inspired by sugar spun run recipes. Now let's get into the recipe. The ingredients you'll need for this taco dip are as follows. 16 ounces brick style cream cheese softened to room temperature, two cups sour cream, four tablespoons taco seasoning, one cup finely chopped lettuce, four Roma tomatoes, seeds removed, chopped into small pieces, half a cup of sliced olives, sliced jalapenos, one and one quarter cup finely shredded sharp cheddar or Mexican cheese like the queso chihuahua we used in our first ever recipe, the quesadilla. And you will need corn chips, but I will describe how to make them homemade later on. Now, combine softened cream cheese and sour cream in a large bowl and stir it together until creamed and well combined. You can use an electric mixer just to make sure there are no lumps. Add taco seasoning and stir well. Spread the mixture evenly into a 9 to 10 inch pie dish. Top mixture with shredded lettuce, chopped tomatoes, olives, jalapenos, and finally sprinkle with some shredded cheese. Taco dip can be served immediately or can be covered and stored in the refrigerator until ready to serve. That is literally all you do for this specific taco recipe. To make the fried corn chips, you will need as many corn tortillas as you'd like. If you're hungry, grab 12 tortillas. If not, grab 6 tortillas. And make sure they are a bit stale or dried out for the maximum results. Then you will need some oil, specifically 3 quarters to 1 cup neutral high heat cooking oil like avocado oil, peanut oil, or vegetable oil. You will then add a pinch of sea salt on top of the fried tortillas for taste. First, cut each tortilla into six triangles. Line a plate with paper towels or a clean dish cloth. Add enough oil to a wide, high-sided pot or cast iron pan so that it is at least one quarter inch deep. Turn the heat to medium-high and heat until the oil is 350 degrees Fahrenheit. If you don't have a thermometer, don't worry. You can check the temperature of the oil by dropping a small piece of tortilla into the oil. If it starts to sizzle, the oil is ready. If the oil is too hot, the tortilla will brown very quickly. Place enough tortilla triangles into the hot oil so that they are mostly covered in one layer, but not crowded on top of each other. Use a slotted spoon or kitchen tongs to gently push the tortillas down into the oil so they have all the chance to be coated in oil. Cook until the chips are crispy and golden brown, for about two minutes specifically. Using a slotted spoon or tongs, transfer the chips to the plate lined with paper towels and lightly season with sea salt. Repeat with the remaining tortilla triangles. 
If you wish to bake the corn chips, then here's how you do that. Heat the oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Line two baking sheets with parchment paper or use a silicone baking mat. Spray or lightly brush the tortillas on both sides with oil. Cut each tortilla into six triangles and then arrange in one layer on the baking sheets. It's important to keep it in one layer so then none of the chips are undercooked. Bake until the chips are crisp and golden brown, 10 to 20 minutes specifically. Check the chips often and if you find that some are browning quicker than others, rotate the baking sheets to encourage more baking. Lightly season each chip with sea salt and then you're all set to serve. That is literally how you make homemade taco dip and fried or baked corn tortilla chips. I'll catch you next week on KALA's Weekly with CC Stress-Free Recipe. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Abby Varkalis. I'm currently here with Quinny Rodman, a senior SAU student and vocal music education major. She is very active in the SAU theater program and has done 12 shows here at SAU. I'm so happy to be here with you and learn more about your acting background. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about it. I've done a lot, so. Okay, so start, starting off, when did you start acting? I started acting in seventh grade. The very first show I did was through a children's theater in my hometown. I'm from Mount Vernon, Iowa. And there's like a children's theater program called Odyssey Theater. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been like going for quite a long time now. And I had a lot of friends involved in Odyssey when they were younger. I just had never been. Um, My like siblings and my family like did a lot of sports and stuff. And I was kind of the first one to like want to like branch out and do like arts and stuff. So I kind of got like a late start. I started in seventh grade. My first show was through Odyssey Theater. It was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I was Violet, like the one who like eats the gum and then turns into a big blueberry. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like my first show ever. Um, And I had so much fun and it like totally changed the trajectory of my life. Like, and that's all I've ever wanted to do since like it was such a life-changing moment for me where I realized like this is so much fun yeah so did you ever do sports or yeah I did a lot of sports like all through high school I kind of stopped once I got to college but I was always a big soccer player Mm -hmm. um my whole family kind of is soccer players except for my brother but like I have a little sister in high school who plays college or who plays high school soccer and then I have another younger sister who plays like college level soccer and she's really good at it so I was always a soccer player and then in high school I was like a pretty good cross-country runner and I ran cross-country all four years too. So once you like you found your passion for theater was that something that you just you didn't really think about sports much that was kind of where you wanted to go? Yeah I still kind of continued to do both um But I really, like, put an emphasis in, like, arts and singing and acting and everything like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, What was your favorite show at SAU and why? My favorite show I've done at SAU, hands down, is Little Women. Mm -hmm. Um, That was such a, like, professional-level production done at the college level And not even to be done at the college level, but to be done at the college level at a theater department that's actively being cut. It was just like such a triumph for us to be able to do that and put that on. We had an amazing cast, like star-studded cast. We had some of the best designers that you can get in the Quad Cities and Corey Johnson directing it. And you can really tell Corey wanted to go out with a bang. She wanted all of those, her former students to be designers and stuff like that. Um, and 
with that being Corey's last production, she really put like everything that she had into it. She is the heart and soul of the theater department here. She started the theater department here and she finished out the theater department here. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to be in a show that was her last show, to be able to be the lead in a show, like my director was directing, she started the theater program. It was just such... It was such an honor to be able to be the lead in that show for her. Like, she trusted me to be the lead in her last ever show here in a department that she started. So that role was just life-changing, and the production level of that show was so high, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, I remember seeing Little Women, and it just it felt like I was in Broadway, because I've seen many different Broadway shows, and when I, like, stepped into that, I was like, this feels like a Broadway show like yeah. it was just it, it's amazing it was so high level and we have so many talented students here um some of them who I've known since high school I've known Peyton Reese and Katie Link and Joseph Lasher since mm-hmm. high school we met at the Iowa High School Musical Theater Awards when we were in high school and then we all ended up going here and we just have like such a talented department and that show really showcased everything that we have here yeah there was the variety of talent, it was just, it was amazing. Like the the voices, everything. It was just, and the effects too. I yeah. mean, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, some of the best designers in the Quad Cities. We had um, Daniel Sheridan doing mm-hmm. lighting design and he like really created a fabulous show. He's an SAU alum. And then Aaron Randolph on sound design and music cues and microphone levels. Mm-hmm. He's also an SAU alumni. So Corey really got all of her students together to create the show that she wanted. Yeah. Um, and she really, she really created an amazing show for us. Yeah. It was definitely, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so what would be like your future goals? My future goals. So obviously right now I am a vocal music education major. I'm not even a theater major here, um, which like isn't really possible here anymore. Um, there like isn't a theater major. My grade is the last grade that could have graduated with a theater major. But since people like Corey and Chris aren't here um, anymore, it doesn't really seem worth it. I do love education and I do love music. Eventually, someday, I would like to be a director of a high school choir and maybe work as the music director on musicals there. Um, But for right now, my goal, like, I guess as a young person and as I'm still out doing what I want to do and what I love to do, my ultimate goal right now is would be to do like national tours of musicals or like to Mm -hmm. like, honestly, the ultimate goal is to like be on Broadway as like cheesy as that sounds. No, no. Um, I know that's like that is it sounds like a super cheesy thing to say, but like if I had no stipulations, money wasn't a concern, like, that is what I would try to go out and do. Mm -hmm. So I think that just, like, being a professional actress in musicals would be, like, the ultimate goal right now. Right. Do you ever see, like, um, starring in any movies or TV shows? Like, have you ever thought about that before, too? I haven't really thought about that. Um, I, uh, like, have so much respect for film actors, but the kind of acting that I do is so unsubtle (laughs) and in your face and loud and like big that I really think that just like the stage is the place for me. Like, and also I love that aspect of live theater where you have no idea what's going to happen. Anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one of my favorite things about live theater. I love going out and performing in front of like a house of like 
live people who have never seen the show before, who have seen the show before. Um, it's so much fun to get to like share that with people in the moment that I really just love like stage acting. And I think that that's my passion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what would you like to aspire an actress? Like, what would you say to someone that wanted to get on the stage for the first time, but was kind of a little nervous? I'd say just go do it. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, acting can be so scary because yeah. you're really like putting everything out there, especially if you're in musicals, like you're putting your voice out there, you're putting all your emotions out there and it can be so scary. But once you take that jump, it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Like once you go out and you just do it, you there's no going back. Like yeah. once you've jumped into the water, like it's a great place to be and it's so much fun. So to anyone that is thinking about it or thinking like maybe I want to go to professional into professional theater but I don't know like just try it because you really just have to go in and do it there's no halfway about it you have to go in and like fully do it yeah um to like get the whole experience yeah well thank you so much that was so awesome I loved hearing about like all of your your theater background and everything and everyone would love to hear this too so thank yeah, you so much thanks for, for having here. me thank you Thank you for listening to the fourth installment of KALA This Week. All content was written and recorded by Anna Berry, McKenna Verdon, Abby Varkalis, Sierra Mari, Ryan Schistel, and Bailey Winfrey. Huge thank you to executive producer Dave Baker. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next Friday at 4 p.m.